Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So today we have an exciting story, you know, ahead of us, you know, from a founder that is going to be telling us a thing or two about being a first product culture type of company, how they achieved their product market fit, how they went about it, you know, when it came to COVID, also their thoughts about anything AI. There's a lot going on around AI and also, you know, how they went about raising over 170 million. So Again, a really interesting episode, all the good stuff that we like to hear around building, scaling, financing, and everything in between. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Dimitro Boloshin. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, Alessandro. So born and raised in Ukraine, give us a walk through memory lane. How was life growing up, Dimitro? Oh, yeah, I was born in Ukraine uh, in a small city. It was... uh, very interesting journey for me because usually when you are far away from the tech uh, scene, you read about it in the news, in blog posts, on social media, and you try to get there, try to get to the US, to Silicon Valley. And uh, for me, when I was growing up, I got my computer first time in 2000, uh, and then I got an internet, and I tried to basically build products to learn how to I become a good developer. I got a computer science education, but my dream was always to build my own products. And uh, I always had that, you know, entrepreneurial mind. Uh, And uh, being in Ukraine helped a lot because we have a very strong um, school of mathematics and computer science in Ukraine. So my education there was like top notch. And though I was kind of a bit disconnected from all of the tech scene because I was like in the different time zone in the other parts of the world. I was always inspired about the US and uh, the culture of technology companies there. We saw a lot of movies about it, like Social Network about Mark Zuckerberg or something like that. And uh, in in early 2010, 2012, all of that startup narrative uh, became uh, pretty inspiring in uh, Ukraine. And there were a lot of interesting startups uh, born in Ukraine at that time. And one of them was Prapply. So then, so then, in your case, I mean, what was the uh, the whole nature of computer science, PhD? So, what what got your interest on that? So uh, we had uh, programming competitions when uh, school kids were writing computer code to compete with each, with, uh, each other, and I was quite good at that. I was like in top ten uh, among in, in in all of the country, and uh, that helped me to basically apply to any university in Ukraine without exams, which I did, and I applied to the best university, like. Um, on cybernetics department, where we studied mathematics, computer science, algorithms, and so on. And it built a really nice foundation for me because I'm a technical co-founder. So I understand not only how to manage people who write code, but I also understand how to write code myself and what is the good quality code, how technology can transfer uh, to a good business product. So um, I studied on computer science, and then in 2012, I think, uh, I got an offer to start my PhD career. I uh, started to be in academia for a while, but after a year, I understood like it's not a good uh, journey for me because like I am not really academics. I am more like entrepreneurial kind of person, and uh, I met my co-founders, uh, Kirill and Serge, and we were start thinking to start something 
um, inspiring. And uh, we started what with the time became Preply in 2012. And would you say I'm more entrepreneurial? You know, you were talking about all these stories that you were, you know, exposed to the social network, you know, all of this stuff. What do you think, you know, like really made you, you know, like feel like I want this? You know, this is this is the path that I want. I, I want to build my own thing. You know, what do you do you remember like at what point that seed was planted? Yeah, I think when I was super young, so Ukraine uh, was a part of Soviet Union, which was like a big communistic uh, empire. And I remember when Soviet Union collapsed, my father bought me a book called Capitalism for Kids. And I read about the capitalism as like, as basically ideology, that basically there is a value in everything that we do it, we can sell and trade things, and we can accumulate capital and so on. And uh, I kind of, from the very early ages, understood the nature of basically money, capital, and other things. And I always wanted to uh, basically build a company, which would be a business, not like a charity, but company business generating money, understanding all of the cash flows within the company. Uh, I, I was always inspired by that. So I, I read also a lot of like fictional books, like Theodore Dreiser, Finances, and so on, Ayn Rand, and so on. So like a lot of my cultural background uh, helped me to shape myself as a person who thinks about themselves as entrepreneur. So that was like a, a big part of my journey, like reading books and like from the early childhood, understanding how like money market works. So then tell us about meeting your co-founders. You know, how did the uh, whole idea of uh, Preply, you know, and, and more importantly, you know, like meeting the people, you know, like getting the band together. How did that look like? Yeah. So Interesting fact about me meeting my co-founders is that I met them through a common friend through university. And I strongly believe that people who study in the university, they don't only get like, a, you know, technical knowledge and diploma. The most important part about college or university where you study is your network. And I started to build my network from the early years in my university. And I had a lot of smart people who I studied with and they later started working in Facebook, Uber, uh, Google and so on. So I met my co-founder Kirill through a common friend who later started working in Google. We got introduced to each other. There was some good connection between us. I was more like technical person. My co-founder Kirill is more like a, a hustler, like business person who like do sales, who do operations and so on. So we met each other and we started thinking, hey, um, what could be the right business idea to follow? And uh, what um, what we had in common with Kirill is that we were born in Ukraine, so English was not our native language, and we both um, struggled to improve our language skills. And we started exploring the domain of language learning in group or in English schools or with a tutor, and we found out that there is a pretty good market that um, is there, which is online language learning, and it was in 2012. So people who wanted to learn languages online did that through Skype, not even Zoom as a major like video conference platform right now, but like through Skype. And there was like a big chunk of keywords in Google of people searching, like I want to learn English by Skype. And we took that insight. We combined it with our own problem that we wanted to learn uh, English much better. And we started building and shaping a product around that era in 2012. So then tell t tell us about, too, you know, like how did the 
whole idea of shaping up the product and making sure that uh, you got to product market fit and 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 why you know you guys are also a product first uh, type of company. And I think that before you even get there, just so that the people that are listening get it, what is Preply today? Yeah, so um, Preply today is the biggest online marketplace for online language learning with a tutor. So if uh, you want to learn English, French, German with a real human uh, online, you go to Preply, and um, we have more than. Uh, 40,000 tutors on our platform. We grew from three co-founders to more than 600 people uh, in Barcelona, New York, Kiev. Uh, we attracted more than 170 million of US dollars in uh, venture funding. And uh, as I said before, we are the market leader in our area. So like, we believe that we provide the most efficient way of learning uh, language online. So uh, that's where we are. And we started from a quite a different idea because now we are super international. Our major markets are the US, Europe. But when we were thinking about how to start, uh, we were located in Kiev, Ukraine. Kiev is the capital of Ukraine. And our initial idea was let's build a basically classified for one city where you could find uh, English teachers in that city. And we started doing that. And we found that the market size is not big enough then we tried okay can we also try to build some uh, product for schools offline schools where you can learn english and we tried to do that but like the sales cycle wasn't very good so we were basically iterating all over again with a different kind of product ideas around the same customer persona a person who wants to learn english but doesn't have like a, a good uh, ways to do that in their location and on the third or even fourth iteration, we found out, oh, okay, but these people can learn English online. And the technology in 2012 finally enabled to do that. So basically, in 2012, you could have a pretty good stable video connection uh, by Skype uh, between Ukraine and the US, between Philippines and Norway, between any pair of the countries. And we found out that technology enables it. So like it's a clear new wave of transition between offline language learning to online. We found that there is a pretty sizable market for that. So we explored uh, amount of keyword requests in Google for that and so on. And we had a good team. So it was like combination of everything, like technology, team, the market. And we started basically, okay, that's our market. That's a product we want to build. We want to build the marketplace for um, online language tutors. And we started building that. And to accelerate that, we even moved to Boston, US, uh, to be closer to basically tech scene and also to the biggest market in the world. And uh, it was quite a journey for us because you move to a different country and you try to launch a product from scratch. Uh, your language skills at that time were not, our language skills were not perfect. So there was a lot of miscommunication and it was quite a stress for us to move to Boston, but it was also um, an invaluable experience because we were able to go to the universities campuses to see how people who are tutors themselves basically talk think about their business and profession and so on and we were much closer to the fundraising uh, actors um, in the world so uh, we moved to the US in 2012 uh, tried to build like perhaps like a international marketplace uh, being in the US 
But uh, to tell you the truth, we failed. We were not able to do that in 2012, uh, being in the US because our burn was pretty high. We were burning like a few dozens of US dollars per month and uh, we were not able to unlock marketing. So it was like a big pushback for us. Um, we returned back to Kiev, Ukraine and uh, we radically diminished our burn and we started building it much more gradually. So uh, our first experience on launching Prepla, as you see it right now, was very unsuccessful. Our unit economics didn't work. So like we didn't even know the term unit economics, but we understood that if we spend $500 to attract one customer and we earn only $100 from them, something doesn't feel right. So we returned back uh, to Kiev, Ukraine, and we started uh, rethinking on how we do marketing and how do we do product. And over time, over one or two years, we were uh, able to push customer acquisition costs like to like 10, 10 times less, perhaps even 100 times less. We were able to become much better in marketing, including organic marketing. And um, we started basically seeing our CC LTV finding themselves in a very good balance between each other. In 2013, 14, we were focusing on the markets where our CC LTV ratio was pretty good but then we started expanding and perhaps in 2015 we reconquered as i would say the u.s market and we were able to launch them again to launch there again with much more success and now the u.s is our biggest market so like uh, in 2012 we failed but like in 2023 we are the biggest player in the u.s market and like i think we are uh, the u.s is a biggest market for us yeah and uh, our and our thinking about the products that we built was very, you know, like the lead startup methodology on how you think well, what next feature is requested by your customers that you should build. That's how we started in 2012, 2013. But later, um, our product culture evolved a lot. And it was because of the fundraising, because we were raising uh, additional funding. And one of the um, very uh, important milestones for Prepl was when we raised our bigger round of $1 million. It was, I think, pre-seed round or some or, or seed round for us. And uh, that's what I would call uh, smart money because we got investors on board who previously built other marketplaces and they were able to share with us uh, a lot of wisdom on how you should build a business. And for example, one of the investors in that round was Mariusz Gralewski, and he is a co-founder of Doc Planner. It's the biggest marketplace for doctors. Another angel investor for us was Arthur Koston, and he was CMO at Booking.com. And Booking is the biggest marketplace for hotels in the world. And basically, we got these amazing investors, angels, investors on board, and we started asking questions. Hey, how you build the marketplace? How you do liquidity? How you do marketing? How do you expand your marketing channels? And so on. And basically, uh, we learned a lot and borrowed a lot of our um, initial company culture from other companies who were 100 times more successful at that point of time than Preply. For example, from Arthur, Arthur, we learned a lot how to do A-B testing and scale. So our initial approach was like, hey, there are customers, they want some features, so let's build that features for them. But that's not how a bigger companies do product. Bigger companies launch A-B tests, and we became pretty A-B test-driven company around 2016-17. We launched like hundreds of A-B tests, and it's helped us like to basically to move to the higher leap from like the intuitive type of a company to more like data-driven type of a company. Hey, guys, so pardon the interruption here. So I got to tell you that 
you know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. And it's very hard. And already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back then when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of um, a cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com. And we would love to take a look at helping you out. In total there, I mean, how much, how much capital have you guys raised to date? 170 million US dollars. So 170 million. Now, you were alluding to it, you know, getting those angels, you know, really big time angels. I mean, you, you're coming from the Ukraine. So, you know, you land here in the U.S., you know, you got to figure yourself, you know, and, and your way there, you know, and network. So what was that journey like of uh, raising that money through the different cycles and then also from meeting these people, getting getting them excited and getting them enrolled to jump into? Yeah, a great question. I would say that initially, in 2012, you could raise money even before you have a product. It was much easier because, like, the market was, like, very heated. Um, we were lucky to get uh, great investors on board, but we were also like very hardworking founders to make sure that our product grows. Our growth tempo typically is like 3x uh, revenue growth year over year for the last 10 years, whatever. So basically, we were lucky to have a good network of investors, but we wouldn't be able to raise if we wouldn't be growing that fast. So we always had that, you know, a mindset that, hey, we play the venture game. That means that you raise, you grow very fast, and you dominate the market with the money that you raised in the previous round. And then you raise again because you have a, tra a track record of that you are able to invest money wisely in your product and marketing growth on the market. So for us, it was a um, combination of us being hustlers, basically approaching a lot of different investors in different geographies, but also showing them what is the potential of Prepley and also proving that potential by our metrics. So we always were very open with sharing our metrics with not only our existing investors, but also with investors who rejected us and also from investors that we were like talking with. Because some of the investors that are on our cup table, they uh, rejected to invest in Prepley, but then changed their mind because they saw how amazing numbers are there in our business. Um, the fact that we were founders from Ukraine and our initial basically location as a founders was Ukraine uh, was challenging in the beginning but if your business has a number has good numbers it doesn't matter where you are so we are not in the 
era when investors um, from Silicon Valley just like investing companies from California, they are much more open to international companies uh, if you have good numbers. And you need to have good numbers to get the best investors. That was our our thinking always. Like we don't want like to um, we, we we want to stay true to the numbers in our business. If you commit to say that hey, our business plan is to grow like two x three x in the next year, and we are rising to do that, we would work very hard to deliver it. Now, when it comes to uh, also investors, it's it's obviously good metrics, as you say, is is key. But then also having a clear vision. Now, when we're thinking about vision, you know, I want to ask you this: If you were to go to sleep tonight, Dimitro, and you wake up in a world where the vision for Preply is fully realized, what does that world look like? <laughs> so, first of all, I don't think that we will ever realize our vision in full potential because vision is something that is always higher than you where you are like you all it's it's more like a dream and the dreams that you try to achieve but you don't always really achieve it so the closest that it would be to it is that people on this planet have the most efficient way to learn languages and that's probably and they are able to improve their language learning skills that help them to progress in their career, to get a better relationships, to travel the world, and so on. And uh, people are constantly improving their language skills and properly, and they are very happy with the products that we have built to them. So then, as we're talking about the future here, I also want to talk about the way that you guys are thinking about things, because there's a lot going on now with AI. You know, there's a lot of AI-related topics and I know that you guys are taking it seriously too. So how do you think, how are you guys thinking about AI and how do you think that's going to also, you know, change things? Yeah, I think the growth of AI is exciting right now. For us as a co-founders, we think that AI will help people to be much more efficient in what they do right now. We already see that internally. For example, our developers are much more efficient because they have copilot tools that help them to write a better code faster. We think that the same will happen in all of the professions. And uh, language learning and, and, and language teaching uh, would be basically transformed by AI. We, in 2023, already built a few features for our teachers on the platform. And one of the features is Teaching Assistant, where basically teachers who teach language have a copilot on Preply with them that helps them to prepare for the lesson, to generate homework, exercises, quizzes for their students, customized by the student, by their level, and so on. And secondly, we also released a feature which we called Lesson Insights. We released it to the smaller group of beta testers, and they are all super excited. Basically, if student and tutor uh, give us an access to do that, we can record their lesson, which happens online. Then we basically transcribe it and we generate insights from it. For example, you had a lesson learning uh, Spanish and we generate new Spanish words that you learned on this lesson. We analyze who 
said what on the lesson and we suggest to the tutor what should be the topic of the next lesson. We assess the level of the student right after the lesson and so on. And we basically generate homework based on what you learned on the lesson itself. So it's become a super customized way to have language lessons online. And it's like Lessons Insights features that we launched in 2023. We strongly believe that the future of uh, humanity overall and also like people who uh, study and teach languages online is uh, very much connected with AI. But we don't think that AI will replace teachers. We think that AI will give teachers superpowers to become much better in what they do. And AI right now and in the next few decades, we believe will not unlock empathy, emotional connection, and which is most important motivation that uh, other humans bring to the table when it comes to online language learning. Now, we're talking about the uh, future here, but I want to talk about the past and doing so with a lens of reflection. You know, you've been doing this now for over 12 years, which is a, could be a lifetime in the world of startups, right? And, um, and I guess the question here is, if I were to bring you back in time to that moment where you guys got started with the company, you know, perhaps back in 2011, even, even when you were like uh, thinking about a world where you could bring an idea to life and stuff like that, if you had the opportunity of having a chat with that younger self and giving that younger self one piece of advice for launching a business, what would that be and why, given what you know now? <laughs> That's a great question. Hire faster and better people and be much tougher with the people who do not perform. So overall, I think it is very hard to build a product as a basically solo entrepreneur or even few co-founders. So basically your role transfers to being able to manage a great team of star performers or like a star team of performers. And uh, that would be something that I was able to unlock only few years of mistakes and experience. Hiring people and being able to uh, nurture the talent within the organization. I think I underestimated the amount of impact that great team has on a great product for some time. And uh, that's basically my job. That's basically my, my, my job right now. I don't write code myself. I don't build product. I build teams. I build great teams that are able to deliver value. So like advice would be uh, make sure that you work with uh, great people and uh, be very deliberate in building the best team. So to double click on the team, I mean, you guys have offices in Barcelona, in Kiev, in New York. You have over 600 employees. Uh, so I guess when it comes to having a remote, remote teams like different offices, you know, like that, you obviously have different cultures, too. What have you what have you learned, too, you know, when it comes to cultures, you know, and, and having different locations like that? Yeah. Um, initially, our uh, initial team was all located in Ukraine. And we, as Ukrainians, we found out that we pretty early understood that it is impossible to build international company if you have very homogeneous team in one location. So from the very early years of Preply, we started building international teams. So I think when we were like 20 people, perhaps 30, we already had like five or 10 people from five, 10 different nationalities, different countries. And that was our playbook that if you want to become an international champion, 
our workforce should represent our customers. So we started hiring in different locations, even though we didn't have much money to do that. One of the life hacks that we did to unlock that was that um, we needed people who are native speakers of English, like from Canada, from the US and so on, but like the salaries there are pretty high. So we unlocked student internship programs. So we basically were, were hiring students uh, who went on the internship to Ukraine uh, or to other countries to become like an early employees of Prefly. And we were able to find the best, like uh, very energetic people. Some of them stayed for Prefly for years. Some of them are still working in Prefly like, for 10 years, perhaps. Um, but they were students. They were not like young professionals who already like have a high paid job. Uh, that's what you do if you don't have enough, basically, uh, capital to hire a lot of people. Um, so for us, it was a very deliberate choice that we want to have very international teams. So we start hiring people from the US, Canada, Brazil, Poland, Germany, all of the European countries. Right now, we have more than 60 nationalities working with us, which is amazing. And like, no one even thinks about practically as a uh, as something other than international company, but it was not easy to do that. Uh, even for us as a co-founder, it's like, as I said, like English was not our um, first language, native language. And we were made a very deliberate choice to always speak English in public and private communication in the company. In, even like if you are on the kitchen making coffee with you and there are your coworkers and you share the same language with them, you would also like revert to English as a way to speak to them because you build in that, you know, international company. Uh, you try to have that gene of uh, people being united, though having different culture or uh, other backgrounds. And uh, we were pretty successful among that, uh, in that. And uh, our biggest push was always like when we were like opening an office in Barcelona, as a co-founders, we moved here. And we started doing like recruiting and hiring ourselves. You basically start from zero if you open an office in different location because you don't have any presence. People don't believe you that it will be big. And you always promise people that practice will become big. Our Barcelona office will become big. Like uh, people don't uh, believe you. And uh, our first hires, uh, first few engineers that I hired in Barcelona, I met them at meetups in the bars here in Barcelona, but I did it myself. Our recruiting team was not able to sell the company as well as a co-founder can do. So as a, uh, entrepreneurs, I, I, advice here would be don't um, be afraid to be hands-on, even in some of the things that are uh, kind of not as inspiring as, for example, building a strategy for the company or going fundraising. Do things that where you have the biggest array. And if your biggest array is like, hiring a few new people in a new location. Like, do that. We do that. I love it. So, Dimitro, for the people that are listening that would love to reach out and say hi, what is the best way for them to do so? I think uh, for people who are entrepreneurs, the best way to do that would be LinkedIn. I think it's like the most professional social network where most of us are like present. And uh, we always have a lot of open positions for smart and ambitious people in Prepland. And uh, as an entrepreneur myself, I will always be happy to support and advise other co-founders or founders, entrepreneurs who try to launch their own business. Amazing. Well, hey, Dimitro, thank you so much for being on the Dealmaker Show today. It has been an honor to have you with us. Uh, thank you, Alejandro. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value 
either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.